0: All right, I think we will go ahead and get started. I wanted to welcome everybody to this month's version of our um, Idaho Wheat Farm Chat from the field. And today we have a very special guest in Scott Hansen. He is the grain merchandising specialist from White Commercial. And his colleague, Jessica Etheridge is also with us and Lee Anderson from Ryrie Grain. Um, We've had a lot of feedback in the last few months about the need for additional grain merchandising information and education, so a little bit of risk management. So we're very happy to have everybody joining us. Uh, Those who are live, we hope that you will put your questions into the chat box or raise your hand. And anybody who is joining us, joining us afterwards, thank you for, for logging on and, and watching this with us. So without further ado, Scott, I will hand it over to you. Um, as we normally do, we'll have about 20 to 25 minutes of a presentation and then plenty of time for questions. So please take it away.
1: Okay, thanks, uh, Casey. Um, glad to be here with you guys today. Um, F, uh, I want to reiterate As I said in the beginning, or as Casey said in the beginning, uh, if you have questions, please use that chat box or raise your hand, and we'd be more than happy to talk as we go here. So with that, um, let's talk for a little bit in the beginning here about a summary of how the marketing season has gone so far for the 2020 crop. This is the way most of us have been acting through this whole process this year. It's like we saw at harvest or shortly after harvest, we said, you know, these are really good prices that we haven't seen for a while. We probably should sell something. And as is usual or not untypical, uh, after we sell, the market goes up because it always does, right? So now that we've got even better prices, probably we should sell some more. So we did. Then we get into the hard part. The prices keep getting even better much better than we've ever seen before. And now we're starting to ask ourselves that question, why in the heck did I sell? And then of course, as is normal um, in these kinds of situations when they happen, the prices get even better. And now we're just flat mad at the marketplace uh, because it's everybody's fault that we sold too soon. And then we get to the point where the market drops a dollar and we've all been here before. And it's like what grain we had left to sell at the point at which we were mad. Now we're at a point where we can't even sell anymore. So, you know, that's the issue that we get into. Uh, it's the challenge. So Lee, you know, you, you've you probably been in this conversation several times now with your customers. That is, Is this pretty much how it goes?
2: Yeah. And, and you know, the crazy thing about this marketing year is that you've seen that uh, happen over several months, but you've also seen this whole cycle happen in just a few days, right? You know, big run-ups and, uh, you know, you, you hold on, uh, and, and you're right. And then all of a sudden, uh, three days of down and that the dollar is gone, you know, and, but when prices are moving this much, it really makes the psychology of, of marketing that much harder because it's going so fast.
1: Well, and you know, that's a really good way to put it, Lee, because what it becomes is emotional, right? We get wrapped up in it and, and that is not untypical at all. Uh, you know, I, I kind of laughed to myself because, you know, I've been doing this now for 40 years and, and I'd be the first person to admit that early on when I was working with farmers in their marketing, I would say, look guys, we've got to take the emotion out of it. That's not (laughs) happening. Um, there's going to be that element of emotion that gets, in, gets you. And so what we really want to do is understand why we think the way we think. And it's how we react to that situation. So when you really think about those challenges of marketing, you know, most people get upset when the market goes up after they sell. And that usually is because they, they make sometimes the decision to sell in the, in the wrong frame of mind. If you make a sale because it's the right price, because if you've done your homework and you base it on profit, that good sale is always a profitable sale. And then you have to understand that from the market perspective, what happens after that, at some point after you make a sale, we know for sure that the market's gonna go higher at some point, You know whether it's a day, a week, a month, an hour. I mean, it's just that's just typical. It's how you react to what you think of as a bad decision that's going to be key for your success. So, I want to real talk real quickly about this and and these uh, this overhead presentation or the PowerPoint presentation, along with our profit talk. Uh, that's a newsletter that we put out for our customers, uh, like Ryrie Grain. Uh, this is all gonna be available to you. So you don't have to worry about trying to take a whole bunch of notes on this. So they'll, they're gonna make this available to you through the Idaho Wheat Commission. Uh, what do the best marketers do? And, and I wanna just step away from what we see on the screen for just a second. Um, I was doing a farmer's meeting here a while back and I got asked a question that I had never been asked before. And when you've done over 600 meetings for producers That doesn't happen very often anymore. And this guy asked me the question, he says, what's the biggest mistake that farmers make when they sell grain. And I'd never been asked that directly, that particular question. And I I said, well, okay. They don't sell. And it took him back a little bit. He said, What do you mean by that? And I said, Well, it's real simple is this, guys. We're afraid to sell because the market might go up higher. So we sell too soon. So that makes us very fearful of that making a decision, right? I mean, Lee, that's something we have to deal with all the time, right? That fear of the market going higher.
2: Yeah,
1: definitely.
2: So, uh, you know, then the, it's an, uh, I, I don't know. Everybody has seen that chart before, but the hope, greed, fear uh, of the marketing cycle. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, just Google it, and you can you can see those charts, and, and that's that's what happens. And you just kind of need to have the ability to recognize what stage you might be in, and uh, if you have goals and prices set, then it kind of helps you from getting too much into one of those emotions or the other. You know, hope, greed, fear. It's it's all it's all in there. And
1: There's nothing wrong with being emotional about your marketing, uh, but it's the decision making that's going to make the difference. And as Lee alluded to, like you see on your screens there, having clear goals in mind for selling that are based on profit, that's the number one thing that the best marketers do. They've got to plan an action on on what's going to happen when the profitability reaches their goals. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to sell the whole crop at once. They're going to sell it in pieces along the way, but they'll say, okay, on the first 10% of my bushels, I'm going to sell this much of my crop. and, And at that profitable level. And then if I get to where maybe I've got another 10 or 15, $20 an acre, then I'm going to sell some more. So when the market, they actually get into that mode where when they make a sale and then the market goes higher, they're excited. They're not upset because it gives them a chance to make that next sale. That's at an even better than the one they had before that that decisiveness is what really allows them to get their plans in place so by focusing on the decisions that have yet to be made instead of the ones you've made already because you know i remember a wise man once told me he says look scott doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are but if you spend all your time driving looking in the rearview mirror you're gonna wreck your car somewhere." And that's kind of how we go through marketing, right? We're all spending our time looking over our shoulders about what decisions we've made instead of the ones we've got coming up that leads us to those problems. Lee, this is something that you and I kind of threw together, right? Do you want to talk about, like, if you were a producer, how would you uh, look at this?
2: Uh, Well, um, you know, just having a defined uh, cost of production uh, so that you can... Um, know where, where you want to start your goals, right? I, t- too often, um, I think guys, everyone pretty well knows their operation, and knows what their costs are, but if you're not actually putting it down on a, in a spreadsheet and figuring it all out, it, it makes it that much harder and makes the psychology harder when you're trying to say, where's my first uh, point that I want to put put something to sell. So know, know your cost per acre and your break-even bushels um, and you know, a lot of guys probably didn't do it this last year with, with revenue coverage for their insurance, but definitely when we go to sign up this fall, it's something that you're going to want to be taking a look at because you might see a lot higher uh, protection levels than what we've seen uh, the past few years and make it worth the the cost of that insurance. And then that allows you to do some other things in your marketing.
1: Yeah, that that. The mistake people make when they get into looking at their crop insurance and especially the revenue protection products is that they feel like that they've already got a guaranteed price for a certain number of bushels on that acre, right? What they, that's, that's absolutely not true. What you have is you have a guaranteed total revenue. So your, your outcome is still gonna be affected by that price movement up and down. But what it does for you to do is be able to do some forward contracting at a time when it really does make sense. Um, You know, this idea of, of the cost per acre, there are a lot of people out there that will try and tell you what your cost of production is. It may be a university extension office, something like that. Um, What you really need to know is what your cost of production is based on your information you know quite honestly you know tax time is a really good way to go back and look at it and say okay look here's where i've got in per acre that's going to give you a better idea because you're you've got to have belief and faith in that in that number that that's right understanding that that we're going to come down to a a level of cost of production uh per bushel at some point. And remember, we're going to be basing it on averages to begin with until we have harvest, right? And and uh, so, you know, when we look at this, this is going to be the timing of when we, we do this. And I just got to do a little erasing here. Um, understanding when the best time to sell. That's another question that I get all the time is, when's the best time to sell? And that's why we talk about this being the time of marketing and why it's so critical right now is that many times before harvest is the best time to sell you know in in a certain sense when you look especially at the soft wheat when you look at over the last 15 crops going back to the 19 crop is where we start this because we don't have the information all in on the 20 crop yet but The idea of on generally the market will give you an opportunity before harvest to make a sale. And it's usually in this chart, what we go to looking at here is take that first month, July, that's July, the year before you would harvest it. It's during the month of July, you look at the average futures close over those 15 years. And the average July price over that whole period is worth 36 more cents more than it would be in August when you're harvesting.
2: So like right now, Scott, you're talking looking uh, July 22 and um, July right now, right? You
1: would You would start even looking ahead to 22. You'd as well be looking at 21's crop that we've got in the ground for opportunities along the way for profitability. So just because in in this 15-year period, we see that April, May, June, July as being the same as or a little less than August, that doesn't mean in some of those years that we don't see opportunities to make those sales ahead of time. Now, let's take a look at what's happened this last year. Since harvest, the market has gone up quite a bit. This includes, this chart you see in front of you includes other years like that in the averages. But when you see a year like this, this is a gift. That year where you see an extraordinary increase in prices, it drags up those farther out prices uh, at a much better rate than what really the market would expect. So, you know, when we look at, This year right now, we've still got to pay attention to the 21 crop, but we also need to start thinking about what happens in that 22 crop. Um, Here's a good way to think about it. When you've got a shortage or a change in supply demand that leads to this dramatic increase in the futures prices and the cash prices paid to the farmer, like we've got going on this year, in many cases, what happens is that next crop out gets drug up as a result. It doesn't really make sense. Nothing can happen to the 22 crop to kill it at this point. Nothing, I mean, it's impossible, right? But there's still that psychology of the market overall that it's gonna be higher. This gives you an opportunity to maybe sell at some very profitable numbers. Okay. So the 22 crop is probably going to cost more than the 21 crop. Make some assumptions. The important thing is, you know, have a target out there that you're willing to start selling at. I mean, Lee, isn't that probably one of the best things your marketers can do is put a target in for that profitable level.
2: Yeah. no. Um, The, the, the targets are, are, are great. It, it, too, too often, guys will just want to sit and wait and watch and see where the high was or, or see what the market's going to do. And that's exactly what, what happens is they you, know, you end up seeing what the market did and say, well, I guess I should have sold some back there. And, and uh, the, the targets are great tool to just have that, that price established. They're a flexible tool um, to, to move around or cancel or adjust if you need to. Um, and you know, if, if the, the fundamentals of the market change, you know, like with your marketing plan that you were talking about, you can adjust your prices. Maybe you start out at a, you know, making sales at 25 cent increments. And if all of a sudden, you know, we've got an issue like this, where it looks like we're in droughts in different parts of the country and, and, uh, that come and go, maybe you change that scale to 50 cents and, and yeah. adjust as you see, you know, as the market dynamics change, but, uh. You know the targets are in there working all the time and uh you know a lot of times on the overnights in the middle of the night is when you'll see some highs get put in and, and a lot more volatility and those having those targets in and working is a, is a great way to, to make some sales and have that working for you
1: it, it really is that 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 point you brought up about having those targets in and the night session is huge because uh our company is a brokerage company that we work with commercial grain elevators all over the United States and Canada. And, uh, you know, 75 to 80% of the open orders, that's the order that goes into the futures market for these, uh, sales, these offers that Lee's talking about to get done. 75 to 80% of those are filled during the night session. So I always have to kind of chuckle when farmers tell me that, that, uh, they're going to watch the market well unless you're going to stay up all night you you're just not going to be able to watch the market all the time so that's a very big deal um you know and and I just you know I want to also throw in here that because we got the Kansas City wheat in here too um that's that's a huge deal you know getting offers in ahead of time it just it just works it just works but if the important thing is that you have offers in to make sales at profitable levels. That's what matters. Now, uh, you know, if you've got a situation right now with your crop, your 21 crop, you know, pretty much now what it's cost you to raise it. We maybe don't know for sure about the yields, but you can probably have a pretty decent idea starting to form in your head right now. Um, Lee, some of these prices these guys are able to sell at are, are really, really good historically. So if, if a guy still is worried about missing out on the top end, is there something that a guy could do that, that would like maybe put a floor under it? But if the market goes up, they could get some more? Um,
2: yeah, uh, definitely. And that's, uh, you know, um, mit- use a minimum price contract, whether it's, you know, structuring that with a, a, a sale and a call option or just using a put option and uh the, there's lots of different things but uh you know the, i tell guys all the time that the the market in, in this environment is giving us you know 50 cents over the course of a few days you know if if i were to tell you today that the price is 550 and and uh, you can you take that or or wait and then in in two or three days the price is six bucks boy why not take 550 and and uh lock that in as a minimum you know if i were to t- have told you a couple of days ago i'd give you 550 or better And the market was at 550 everybody would take it right um so spending a lot of money on on an option minimum price isn't something guys like to do but in this environment can be really really beneficial and it helps you know can manage your production risk a little bit if you think you've got um especially got dry land acres or something you want to want to protect and get a little bit more you know more than 50 percent sold or or whatever you might be comfortable with uh definitely minimum price in in this kind of an environment is
1: a a great tool that that's really good because you know I, i'm glad you brought it up about it cost and um the very thing that makes those minimum price contract tracks and the options very expensive right now is because the market is so volatile that's what makes it so expensive and people are saying well you know wow you know i don't want to spend 50 cents on an option well you'd rather take a risk on losing a dollar for not using 50 cents i mean i'd and this still allows you to sell if the market goes higher, which, by the way, if you do do a minimum price contract, put in a target to, to get out of it to finish the deal at the end, too. So if you spend 50 cents and you say, well, I want another buck and a half out of the deal, I'd be willing to price out at that. Tell the elevator that then. And that's that's what's so important. Working with that local elevator, they like guys like Lee can really help you out as far as that decision-making process. So Lee, do you have anything else you'd like to add, or should we just go ahead and an- answer some questions if anybody's got some specifically? But,
2: um, you know, we, you, you talked a, a little bit at the beginning of, of, uh, you know, kind of the the stages that we've gone through this year and, and we're still kind of there right now. You know, we, a, a lot of guys have sold, sold a lot of stuff and, and even, you know, a, a fairly good percentage of new crop. And so it's like, you know, wh- where we go from here, um, you know, e- encourage minimum price on on additional bushels as you get heavier market. because I mean, This is going to be a year where you don't want to be oversold on a flat price deal and then not be able to, to come up with those bushels. Now, this isn't going to be the, the year for that. I've said for a long time that there's going to be a time in a year when we want to do options and minimum price and, and whatnot and and I, this is this is the exact time and and scenario where you kind of want that because the the, the weather changes you know whether uh, weather event drops rain in the dakotas um or not and you're talking a 50 cent or a bushel a dollar a bushel swing in a few days and that's going to continue to happen until we get to harvest and we know what we've got so
1: yeah i i would caution everybody about two things in relation to what you just said lee um number one limit your time on the internet finding out who's getting rain where um it's real easy to become obsessed with it's terrible here it's terrible there well you never hear about the places that are doing good so keep that in the back of your mind. And then on the other hand, don't get too focused in on what's going on in your 20 mile circle or whatever it is, because then it's very easy to get that tunnel vision to help you, uh, sometimes takes you away from the big picture and and having a good perspective on that big picture is really important. So
2: well, and and uh, one thing to always kind of keep, keep in the back of, of your mind when you're marketing too, is that. There might be a drought, or there might be problems, or or uh, you know, flooding, and guys have a hard time getting in planting. Farmers are really good at farming. You know, your neighbors are really good. You're really good at what you do. Your neighbors are really good at what they do. That they, they figured out, and a lot of the times, you know, unless Mother is just absolutely really against you, we we get something, and we've seen that kind of time and time again. Where it seemed like oh, the the forecasts were for a low yield, and then. You know, lo and behold, the farmers did an awesome job and, and we've got a decent crop, you know, and um, the corn varieties are are good. that can kind of handle the drought. And and uh, so don't don't ever count out the, the farmer because you guys are all great at what you do. And that's producing grain. Right.
1: Right. I, I've had producers tell me before they said this farming thing would be great if I didn't have to worry about selling my crops. Yeah. I mean, the marketing piece is the part we all everybody hates to do it. And it it goes back to like we've been talking about is that fear to be wrong, because we know it is competitive that our neighbors are really good at it, and we want to make sure that we're good at it too. So it's got you got to add that other piece of the marketing. So, um, Casey, do we have some questions?
0: So I don't see any questions yet in the chat, but uh, I will start with one. I had a conversation recently with. Um, I will say a farm kid who has been working um, outside of the industry for the last 10 or so years and is now looking to transition back in the next few years and wants to start uh, studying up on the grain merchandising and all of that. So do you have any advice on what maybe you know young farmers or somebody who's just starting out in the industry where they could look for some tools other than obviously this wonderful webinar
1: yeah well you know that that's a really good question um thanks for asking that um you know in many cases there i'm gonna go back a little bit on what i said before um extension really does have some good beginning tools um some of the extension services i'm not sure how well idaho does with this but um they do have some things some some uh resources for beginning uh producers in their marketing um some resources like that so i would start excuse me start looking for some things like that um you know i would also start with folks like lee um uh, you know talk to the folks in the local elevator that that you foresee that you as this new producer would be looking to work with uh start talking to them and say hey look do you what do you have out there as far as resources um there's a there is a book that can be available on the internet i believe still it's called profit on the farm it's actually written um by phil loose um from our company it just is a basic quick guide I was trying to look around here and see if I I think I've given them. wait you know sometimes you can just find stuff (laughs) this is an older copy of it there's newer editions of it out there but this is a really good guide it's a real simple guide it talks about different crops It's 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 been out of print for a while, but I I think that there's still some really good stuff out there that that uh, people can look at um, that would be as a resource. That's where I'd start. Do you know of anything, Lee? Specifically that would work.
2: With that phone quick. uh, No, no, I think those those there's some introductory books that are that are really good. what I found is that you kind of got to ease yourself into some of these different contracts and stuff and, and uh, do a little bit of it, but you need to do it with, with somebody that, that you trust, right? Because there's the, the, the way that things can be sold uh, and, and explained it, it's pretty hard. I mean, so some of these things are, are uh, they don't just come naturally, you know, puts or calls or options and, and uh, even futures and basis, it can all be kind of confusing. So you need, need to kind of make sure that you've got somebody that you trust that can explain things and, and make sure that, that they also explain the, the risk that there's, there's no uh, risk without, um, without reward. And there's no reward without some risk. And, and there, there's an offset with less risk. There's a less reward. And uh, you know, just got to kind of have those things explained to you, but there's, there's lots of, of great tools out there. And, and um, what I try and tell you guys, you know, focus on that, on that money that you're guaranteed. Right. You know, I think too often, the focus is on. I don't want to spend that that money on an option because, boy, that you know that money's gone. It's like, no, focus on what what you're guaranteeing yourself there, and and uh, what you can do with that. You know, if you're break even, you know, it's about at 5 five fifty, and and you can do a minimum that gives you a, a six dollar minimum. You know, if you go home, if you're a, a farmer and you go home and tell your wife, you know, we can guarantee ourselves this much profit on on most all of our crop and and manage our risk. She's gonna be like, that's great. You're you're a genius and, and, you know, uh, women in in marketing, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the the textbooks and courses will tell you that they're better a lot of times than men because of the psychology of it. You know, they, they say that a farmer will hug a grain bin tighter than his wife sometimes, you know, and, uh, just because there's, there's so much work that goes into what, you know, like he, he knows how much blood, sweat, and tears went into that. And it's worth a lot, you know, when, when you're dictating what your payday and what your income is going to be at the end of the year, we think it's worth $10, right? And it it should be, right? But just the reality of the market is it's not not always what the market is willing to pay. And uh, so have those conversations and really look at what, you know, what your bottom line is at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I love that. I remember um, one of the, I can't remember, Scott, what your newsletter is called, Profit Talk, is that right?
1: Yeah, Profit Talk.
0: I remember um, one of the kind of little sound bites from one of those newsletters was selling the high is not the goal, selling for profit wins every time, and I really loved that sentiment. Um, So Lee, maybe I will ask one more question for you. If anybody else has questions, please put them uh, in the chat box. Um, you know, I know that in your area and, and a lot of times in southern Idaho, there's a lot of crops competing um, and for, for growers' time um, and focus. And so sometimes wheat is maybe not uh, merchandised as aggressively as some of the other crops. And so maybe if you would make a pitch to those growers to really um, start paying attention to their, to their wheat contracts as well.
2: You yeah, no, I, I think that uh, um, you know the potatoes are, are kind of the, the big money crop, right? So, and they, they take a lot of a lot of work and a lot of inputs. And uh, but you know, with with wheat being a necessary rotational crop, or in some cases the the, the main cash crop of a farm, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of dollars that, that can get left on the table um, both ways. And and no, nobody's perfect. You know, there's no perfect marketing plan. If you uh, had that, you just sell it all at the high and and be good but it just doesn't work out that way um so targets especially if you're a busy producer that has a has a lot of other things going on kind of make that plan set those targets and, and put them in you can change them if you need to but uh you know everybody can can benefit from targets you know that happens a lot here where i get here in the morning and i, I see the ones that have filled send those producers a text you know hey your, your target of xyz filled. And uh, that's more often than not for the day trade, you know, it's mostly when I get here in the morning, I see those things that filled on the overnight. A lot of times it's Sunday night, you know, the market opens up at at six o'clock on Sunday night, unless it's a holiday. And a lot of times we'll see, you know, fills happen then. So uh, targets are just a great way, especially if you're busy or got other things going on to, to help you market. Great.
0: Okay. So I do not see any other questions. Let's see if, Give everybody a last chance here, but we have hit 33 minutes, so we're kind of right on schedule. And um, again, not seeing any other questions. So just wanted to really thank Scott from White Commercial and Lee Anderson from Ryrie Grain. This was a great conversation, and I think a a great way to kind of start this conversation. Um, Scott, do you have a couple last comments here?
1: Yeah. I think just to sum it up, I'm I'm not going to read what's on the screen. Everybody can read and they're going to get them later if they'd like to look at it. So I'm not going to read what what's there. I I would just reiterate the point that, that your quest last question and what Lee said really is a good way to sum this up is look, you know, you are busy with a lot of different stuff. Everybody's always busy everywhere. And I fully understand that the market, whatever the elevators pan let's face it. It's worth at least 10 cents more. And it doesn't matter what day you're talking about, right? It's always worth more than what the elevator's telling you it's worth. We understand that. That's why you can put in targets so that when it does get there, action happens. That's the best way to do. You've got to have a plan, put targets in that will help remove some of the emotion out of it, and it'll help you get on your way to, to selling better. So, and, and I would make the offer too, Casey, if some of these folks that are on here are too shy to ask questions, if they wanna shoot uh, an email to you, um, to, to feel free to email Lee or even uh, yourself, and then you can pass along those questions and I'd be more than happy to answer any of them. That's very nice,
0: thank you very much. Um, So I guess with that, we will wrap up this version of our, from the field. And again, thank all of the panelists for being here today and everybody who participated live and those who are listening or watching later. And if you have any feedback or comments about topics you'd like to see in the future, we are open to hearing that and would be very happy to explore those ideas. So thank you to everybody and have a great week. Thank you.